watching these games with one thing in mind. Nobody get hurt. Nobody get hurt. Nobody get hurt. Nobody get hurt. And losing Felino, if he's out for a significant amount of time, if it's going to be hard to get him back in the lineup come playoffs or whatever it is, to me it's just so much more impactful than it's going to get credit for because the the natural inclination, I think, if you're a positive fan, if you're a super positive fan, you're going to say, well, they didn't have him and he was a luxury piece anyways and you're going into the playoffs with the group that you had and it's no big deal and you still have Nick Robertson down the line if you need a scoring punch at some point in the series. No, 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 no. The beautiful thing about Nick Foligno and why he was always the choice over Taylor Hall is that he provided you lineup flexibility. He allowed you to put the pieces however you wanted to put them. And now you remove that and it feels like everything is a little off kilter all of a sudden. And you wonder how they make the lines in the playoffs because the Galchenyuk thing continues to be, hey, he was good net front presence last night that Morgan Riley scores a goal and Galchenyuk deserves credit for that. But hey... Alex Galchenyuk, if you want to go by advanced stats, guess who's worse with Alex Galchenyuk than with other guys? It's Nylander and Tavares. Their Corsi 4 percentage dips with that guy on the ice. He has not been a net positive for them. He has been a net good in the offensive end, as Bourne put it yesterday, not good enough where he's outweighing the negative impacts on the defensive end. You want to at least have the possibility of bumping him out and putting somebody else there. You want to have the possibility of saying, hey, we don't only have Nick Foligno for penalty killing, because I think Kerfoot can reasonably replicate what he's doing, and it's between those two guys for the final penalty killer spot. But down the lineup, if you want to have a shutdown line, if you want to close a hockey game, if you're, the other team stacks it up and they decide to go six on five and you're trying to stop the Montreal Canadiens from doing exactly what they did last night, you know who you want? Nick Foligno. And so it just... It just sucks. It just sucks, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but losing him is, I believe, way more important than it will be looked at just considering the Leafs added him as a deadline piece, as a luxury item, and they do have a lot of forwards. Well, they... They don't have forwards like him. Yeah, they added him as a luxury item, I suppose. They gave up a first-round pick to go get him. Like, there's obviously... It's some great import in what he provides for this team. <laughs> Losing a first-round pick for four games of Felino would be tough. It, it kind of, yeah, reminded me, me of the conversation we were having about Mookie Betts being traded to the Dodgers in a season that was going to get wiped out, and then he hits free agency where the Dodgers were literally going to get no Mookie Betts for what they gave up to the mm-hmm. Red Sox for. Uh, they ended up signing, so it was not a big deal. But, yeah, that's hurtful. Despite the fact that he had four assists before he went down, his impact is not necessarily felt in the box score, but that's it. And when you mentioned Nick Robertson, like my eyes rolled into the back of my head because Nick Robertson and some of the the potential replacement pieces are one-trick ponies. It's like Nick Robertson Mm -hmm. playing in your top six and trying to score some goals and be an effective offensive player if he's in the lineup. Nick Foligno... hmm, play serviceably well alongside Matthews and Marner. He can be the key ingredient on a shutdown line, uh, the third line on this team, and he can kill off the end of the game six on five. Like maybe we're looking at a different result even yesterday of Nick Foligno still in that game. We've seen him already on the ice with the the empty net. It's a devastating blow. Like I said, the, anyone that's watched sports for any length of time well, it knows what I'm about to say, that when you see an injury like that, that looks innocuous, that there is no obvious 
point in which it happened. And then the guy looked like that when he's coming off the ice, gimpy like that. Your mind goes to some pretty dark places. It's the one thing you couldn't have happen in these final two weeks of games. And now the runway's super short. Even if he does only miss the two weeks, okay, so now he's in the situation that you have multiple players and you have Zach Hyman with a short runway to get back into it, which, okay, I'm not too worried about. But Riley Nash, he's in that same boat. And um, and Freddie Anderson, all these guys are going to have very minimal games to play before they hit the playoffs. And maybe Nick Felino's there as well. So my hope with Felino is that yesterday was massive precautions, that it was, hey, we are just being super, super careful and super cautious with this guy, and that's what this is. Cautious, 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 not going to screw around at all. This is the opposite of the George Springer thing where they're like, no, we're, we're not letting this guy dictate any part of it. Him off the ice. Yeah, that wasn't good, and I really that was the scariest part. Also, I didn't really get how it was, hey, he's got an upper body injury, and he grabbed his leg when he left the ice, and I then know. he was helped out. It was very strange. So, Even again, the, the, Twitter mentions were trying to tell me it was his back, but yeah, I saw the leg thing. Maybe, but okay, that actually makes more sense than anything, because the way he hit the boards, it's not right. like he dislocated his shoulder or something, right? It's yeah. definitely not that. So, maybe it is his back, and... Then maybe he gets an icy hot. And, uh, Talk some, to Shaq. Yeah, exactly. Get Shaq on the line. Get him figured out. Get the Phoenix Suns doctor and figure out how to get Nick Foligno on the ice. I'm not worried about the runway thing because I think Hyman is basically good. Hyman, I think they can bring back a couple games before the playoff starts. And I'm not worried about his style of game. The thing I just I, I continue to worry about is more that you don't have players like Felino on this team. He, he is something that is very, very different from everyone else, including Zach Hyman. I've pointed this out before, but the guy has infinity more hits than Zach Hyman. He's a physical guy. He's just one of those dudes that you want in the playoffs. And unfortunately, that's the place where he's probably going to prove himself the most with his, all the intangibles that people, some people hate to hear about, but everyone that knows this game knows exist. The thing you said about Freddie Anderson, though, I really want to touch on this quick, and then we'll do text line. Again, it's text line Tuesday, 590-590. Shoot him in, and we'll do that in the next block. But I've been doing this bit about how Freddie Anderson could have potentially been given uh, assurances that he was going to get the first playoff game or that he's getting assurances that he will get a playoff game or that they're bringing him back with some type of – we have more faith that he doesn't need these games and whatever. And I do believe still that Freddie Anderson will play a regular season game at the very least before all things are said and done. He'll get back in the lineup. And if they do go deep in the playoffs, if those back-to-backs are there, uh, he's going to get a shot. And if Jack Campbell struggles, he's certainly going to get a shot. But last night was back to Jack Campbell appreciation time where – I know he lets the like the goal at the end of the game. I'm really I'm not really that upset about it. I know that every like everyone was freaking out. Um, he made a bunch of spectacular yeah. saves in that game, and there's right. always been this air since he lost the winning streak where he's let in a couple of those goals where goalie Twitter and goalie take reactors like us have gone. Well, is he for sure the guy who's going to start in that and blah blah blah? His his numbers are undeniable at this point. He's having if you just put his numbers out there, yes, we can debate and litigate that over the course of a regular season, Jack Campbell might not be able to replicate this or whatever the circumstances are with the North Division and blah, 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 blah. 
He has done zero, zero, zero to lose the net. And there's, I don't believe anything at this point that would cost him the net. He was brilliant last night. And I really did realize that my confidence in Jack Campbell is way higher than I thought it was just watching that performance. Like a couple of the saves that he made, some of the rebound control, the poise in the net, the no meltdowns. I I just, I'm coming around to the idea that Jack Campbell is the guy that's going to dictate the Leafs' future in net, at least for the first couple of games of the postseason. Yes. Um, the performances have been a lot better. I've also been reading the tea leaf mm-hmm. in, leaves in the people who are more connected to the Leafs and actually have mm-hmm. people that they can text who are in the organization and have the inside track. All of them, all of the smart people and the insider people have said the same thing, that it's, yeah, Jack Campbell's getting the first kick of the can at this thing, and it's happening right, a couple but of days he, ago. And, and I know that we do this too much with save percentage and goals against, but it's like the goals against are 211 and the save percentage is 925. And, yep. and sometimes... It's a little overstated or which way or the other that we apply those stats because we're not looking at it through the prism of, well, how are the – but at 5 There's on 5. There's a decent but, enough sample yeah, now. Exactly. And it's it's a legit 925 and it's a legit 211. And you can quibble with the quality of shots or whatever because of the Leafs' opponents, but it doesn't matter because those are the opponents they're going to be facing anyways, and Jack right. Campbell's done a great job against them. Yeah. Um, beat the Montreal Canadiens though a couple yep. more times so you can face them in the first round. Because and it's not a, it's not a, an opponent thing. Like I don't care. I know. Give me no. give me the Jets. I guess who have lost seven in a row, who absolutely stink to high heaven, mm-hmm. and and maybe Nick Ehlers returns for the playoffs. But they're a garbage garbage dump right now. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. That's not what I'm about. It's an abject disaster to lose to any three of these teams in the postseason. It's about the jerseys. Just give yes, us. Of course. First time since 1979. Just give it. To us, so you have to beat the Canadians a couple more times. Well, and I also have multiple in. bets. I have multiple bets with Habs fans that the Leafs have to beat them in the playoffs. Because every single one of my Habs fans buddies did the same thing. Well, regular season bet doesn't matter because we all know the laughs only win in the regular season. I'm like, wow. okay, sure, no, fine. You, you text with people who call them the laughs? Ugh. I don't know how to tell you this, but I know like all of my friends who are Habs fans are the worst. And everybody I know that hates the Leafs is like, it's something where if you're my age, you're just born into the most horrible dad jokes. Like you heard your parents make all these Leafs jokes and they had the, it's everything. It's, you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe. If I I screenshotted these texts and put them out there into the universe and you saw the way, it's just, it's the most horrifyingly embarrassing thing ever. It's like, right. it's just awful. awful for these fans. No, That's that what's brilliant awful. about Habs fans is they've twisted themselves into this thing where, like, if you're my age, that 93 was this map. Okay, yeah, 93, cool. You won in 93. <laughs> Long time ago. It's um, 2021. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. It's been a while. It has. It has. Uh, starting tomorrow, we're giving away $150 Lone Star e-gift cards. I love Lone Star. Honestly, this is one that I can I can put my my stamp of approval on. We we do it every other week. We order the uh, fajitas from Lone Star, and the kids love them. Uh, they're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, and the amazing deals Lone Star is offering the entire week. Tune in tomorrow to find out how to win. So we're seeing the Tom Wilson stuff, and I am not positive that. This is all that's coming. 
because there is a scenario, I guess, where he gets the $5,000 fine for roughing of Buchnevich, but then maybe there's something else that comes and they put it under the yeah, that's right. category of what he did to Panarin, right? So I'm not really going to freak out, and I can understand people are pissed or whatever, but I just there has to be some potential anyway for more punishment because... The thing people, I believe, are most upset about is not addressed, which is burying Panarin. All I will say, though, is that, yeah, um, that's a bad look for hockey if that's all it is. Um, Because, yeah, you are a league that is trending more in the direction of protecting stars and trying to get... I, I don't believe that they should be getting rid of fighting in hockey. I think fighting in hockey is totally fine. I love it. Um, I think some a lot of the performative stuff is gone and going into more skill is basically weeded out a lot of the crappy stuff about fighting anyways, but you can't really say that you're trying to protect your stars and then let Panarin get buried like that and say that, you know, there's no one accountability for it. Why? Because Panarin initiated it? Like, that's the... Like, I don't know what the logic would be that if you initiate something that it now makes the offender exempt from any retaliation, which is weird. Yeah, and it's not like the Panarin initiation was unprovoked. Uh, Tom Wilson was punching his teammate in the back of the head while he lay on the ice. Right. Clearly, Panarin is not at the physical level of a Tom Wilson. Um, He had to expect something from Tom Wilson at that point, Mm -hmm. where he jumped on top of him and, and tried to grab him off Bushnevich. Uh At some point, Tom Wilson should have realized, oh my goodness, this is not someone that is going to fight back or has the ability to fight back at all, and mm-hmm. I should think about what I'm doing and didn't do that. I don't think this is an appropriate punishment. Uh, I do not think Tom Wilson should be thrown out of the league, as we earlier discussed. I I hope there's something more coming, because I hate that now this is... Like we were so close to kind of being done with this. If if Tom Wilson just gets a ten gamer, right? And what do they have? Three regular season games left, and maybe he misses a first round series. Maybe there'll still be some people that are upset, but I think most people will be like, "Yeah, okay, he's done his time. This is a repeat offender. Um, okay, we can move on." Now there's no moving on. Now it's again, it's a, got another news cycle. We're so quick to move yeah. on from things too. Now it's back into our news cycle. We got another day of talking about this. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're on you're on Tim and Friends tonight, buddy. So you better well, you better first of all, make sure you got all your takes crystallized here, but yeah, get ready no, I to really do have to, 10 minutes I really on this have thing. to No, this is the thing. I really, really, really have hours to basically practice my faux outrage at this. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Is there some no. outrage? I, I don't think a fine is enough. I really don't. I'm not outraged. I'm, I'm not happy with the decision is how I would yes. put it. Okay. I'm not happy. I think that it would have been better for the league to actually say to a guy who has five suspensions on his belt, hey, please don't take the head of Artemi Panarin, one of our league's best players, and smash it into the ice, sir. Here's my thing. Uh, Punishment is supposed to have some kind of... uh, Yes, and I don't believe that punishment is deterrence for Tom Wilson because, again, he sees red in some of these games. 
I don't believe Tom Wilson should be removed from hockey. I'm sorry. And <sighs> this is where I was at. I ultimately oh. think Tom Wilson is good for the game. Like, Tom Wilson is good for the game. It's good to have guys where you debate whether or not someone is dirty or crosses the line too often and plays with the physicality and just has all that skill. And we have the discussions about, like, why does someone who's this good do the things that he does? All that stuff is just good. It just generates interest in the league. And so if you hate Tom Wilson, hey, at least you feel something towards a hockey player, which is pretty rare in this league because – uh, there's not a lot of guys that you have strong feelings about. You got strong feelings for Alex Barkov? Like, no. yeah, it, who you got strong feelings for? Tom Wilson is one of the guys that you do. So ultimately, he's just, he's a really, really good hockey player who plays on the edge and who is a different kind of player in a league that is becoming more and more and more the same. The very similar players. He should have been suspended. In my opinion, what I think he did was wrong. In my opinion, I just, I'm not outraged over it. I, I, when I watched the, all of it happen live or for the first time, my reaction was not, this guy should never play hockey again. It was, ooh, uh, that's not a good look. Off all to of the, the end. The suspended list, again, he goes, because that's, right. you know, when you're a player of his ilk, when you're. Uh, so much of a part of your game is the physical mm -hmm. element of it. Yeah, Chris mm -hmm. Pronger got suspended a lot, a lot, a lot, mm -hmm. a lot. And did when yeah. Chris Pronger go over the line, were people talking about him being removed from the National Hockey League? Mm -hmm. Nah. They were like, oh, there he goes, over the line again. Uh, it's another suspension for Chris Pronger. I also don't think that, okay, so one of the things that I find kind of annoying about this is like, okay, so if it's not Panarin, what's the reaction? Is it the same? If it's a guy who is his size and his weight who jumps on his back and tries to like get at Tom Wilson, mm -hmm. what what are we saying about this play? Like, I I don't think he, he ends starts up in it. the position he, that that Panarin yeah. ends up in, right? Like that's Wilson that's, starts that's a huge it. part of it. He does a Tom Wilson thing, which is rabbit punch a guy on the ice. Is it a nice play? Absolutely not. Is it a suspendable play? Of course not. Of course it's not a suspendable play. Did, like, all I would say to someone who's, like, so furious about the rabbit punch where he's down the ice, like, what do you think is worse? Someone taking the lumber, two hands, and cross-checking somebody in the back in front of the net, which we just accept as, like, a part of hockey, or a rabbit punch in that position? I, I would say that if I was given the option of the two plays, I would take the Tom Wilson punch a billion times out of a billion rather than have Shea Weber put a hockey stick in my spine as I'm trying to get net front position. It's a physical game and these things happen and he's an agitator. Like I've just I I I'm used to the sport, I guess. I I think the discipline I'm also used to where they they almost always let you down. They almost always let you down in the sense of this they never get anything right. The only times they seem to do it where they give the appropriate suspension is for Kadri in the playoffs, which seems brutal. So I'm sorry. I'm not outraged. I think it sucks. I think Tom Wilson should be given more. Um, it was an ugly play. You don't want to have that in the game. I actually think it's a tougher one to legislate than people are leading on, and I also believe that there's potential for more discipline as they move forward. I'm outraged because now my – Twitter timeline is polluted and will be for the next, I don't know, at least 24 hours here. Because mm. I, 
it's fine to have this discussion about mm-hmm. Tom Wilson uh, for a day, <laughs> taking it beyond the day into when most things have such a short shelf life. Now that you've extended it, you've made me mad. I will say, though, that it's like the the tough part here, the toughest part here is, again, that I'm sorry, that it is a guy who has been really, really dirty throughout his career. And the message that you send of that doesn't seem to matter here is bad. Like yeah. that's the the worst part to I, me is the is not all the stuff around it. It is that this guy has consistently done this stuff, and that you as a league would not sit, like err on the side of hey, you know, even if we view it in the player depart the uh, safety department as. Because, like, I, people put so much into the player safety department, how it's, hey, you're supposed to protect the player. And it's, a, it's, a, it's the player suspension department. It's the, hey, we're not really trying to keep guys safe. We're trying to get justice for people and their actions and punish them. It's the player punishment department. He should have been punished more than five grand. Like, I'm sorry. It's just, it's kind of, that's the CBA where it's the one-fourth of his daily salary and people will keep pointing that out and say it's meaningless. I'm too, too bad. That's what was negotiated by the league. That's their fault. And the players all want that. And including if they go to Panarin and they go to Buchnevich today and they go, do you want to change this rule so that you can be fined more potentially? They go, ah, no thanks. Uh, we're cool. Five grand seems like a fair price to me. The problem is, is that he should have been given up game checks because... He's a repeat offender. He's shown zero inclination that he isn't going to behave this way moving forward. And yeah, I just I think that you should be accountable and more accountable once you make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And he just he's done that. So I, I don't really understand the case for no, no suspension whatsoever. Usually, when you're doing a job, when you're at work, mm-hmm. it's a bad idea to do the easy thing. Don't do the easy thing. Don't be lazy. When you're handing out suspensions, I think you should think about doing the easy thing. Like, what makes the most people happy? Like, what is the thing that you're going to do where the fewest people are upset? And sure, the Capitals might have been upset, especially their social media manager, if you, you slap them with a, a extended suspension. But I think most people are like, okay, shouldn't have done that. Clearly suspendable action. We'll move on. That seemed like the easy and obvious move here. I'm, I'm well. That's it. It's like I just don't understand even the case for no suspension because it's it's okay. What you don't want to set a precedent for when guys like no one's gonna like the player involved in this play is why there's so much outrage. It's not that it was if this is Mark Shifley, right? That's right. uh, I mean if this is Austin Matthews who does this or Connor McDavid does this, right? We go and we look at it's it. It's in the say, fine. <laughs> We say, hey, this is pretty wild. Things got out of hand. We're discussing whether or not he was just trying to protect himself. All, all these things, right? There's some nuance to it. We're discuss- But it's not. It's Tom Wilson. And people are tired of Tom Wilson's BS. They are. Hockey fans, a lot of hockey fans and players are tired of this thing where Tom Wilson, every once in a while, just kind of tries to seemingly hurt somebody. And that's the thing, is that he's had intent to injure before. And so once you have intent to injure and you have a play like that, I don't understand the case for the league to say, well, you know, the next time some guy rabbit punches, gets in a scrum, and then body slams someone by the head into the ice, we don't want to have to... It's like no, you. It's and he's got what five suspensions already on his belt. Just suspend Tom Wilson. You have to suspend Tom Wilson again. I'm really holding out hope that this is not the end of it. But the way it's being spoken about by smart hockey people online, it seems to be a pretty good indication that 
nothing else is happening. So well, also that's a dumb play too. If you're the Department of Player Safety and you're like, well, we're gonna release these in increments, and like not understanding that this would be the reaction from people. Like, yeah, but everyone's mostly pissed about the play with. I know. Panarin. Panarin. And I guess the difficulty for the player safety department, like I, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes, is that they're saying that in a scrum where you're tied up with somebody and in a, in a play where you normally grab somebody, because there's takedowns in the NHL all the time when there's scrums, right? There's takedowns all the time. And us breaking it down frame by frame as like whether he kicked his feet out, whether he pulled his hair, whether he's driving his head. That's where I feel as though they're trying very clearly to say, we don't want to have to go through every single takedown from now through the history of time and acknowledge that that's not a bang-bang play. That's the only thing I can bring myself to. But again, the problem is, is when you're Tom Wilson, you lose the benefit of the doubt. And I'm sorry, but that's the price you pay for being a repeat offender. You don't get that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why is this hard? No, it's not. Uh, can't wait to have another conversation about this tomorrow when mm-hmm. we have to react to the reaction. No. All right, so the uh, Winnipeg Jets still have the tiebreaker on the Montreal Canadiens, so still as of this moment, Leafs-Habs, first round for the first time since 1979. Um, the hockey world still reeling after the one, the Tom Wilson incident, Pavel Bush-Navish and uh, Artemi Panarin yesterday, and then two, the news today, that it looks like it's just going to be the maximum allowable fine for Wilson, 5000 bucks, no supplementary discipline. Let's talk to Josh Georges, uh, former Habs defenseman, former NHL defenseman. Kind enough to join us on the line right now. How's it going, Josh? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? We're doing, we're doing well. Let's focus in on this Leafs-Habs rivalry then. Um, because it's an obviously one-sided talent-level rivalry. Uh, is it one that you want to see as a former member of the, of the Habs and guy who was obviously passionate about the two uh, two fan bases? Yeah, why not, right? I mean, uh, you think about the history of the two organizations, um, and then you think, well, they haven't met in the playoffs in however many years. It's been forever since they've met. So I think the excitement, the buzz, probably all over Canada, if these two were able to meet in the playoffs, would be huge. It would be huge for the game of hockey. Uh, I think a lot of people will be tuning in. So I hope it turns out that way just from uh, from a fan's perspective. I think it would be really exciting to watch. I mean, you hate the Leafs, right? You're like one of the most publicly <laughs> hating of the Leafs guys ever. So it's just like I can't think of a list of – if whenever people go, who are people who nixed the trade to the Leafs? There's only one guy, and it's you. So, like, there's just the personal stakes of this thing when you're watching these games and feeling like Toronto and Montreal can meet. They, they still got to feel like it runs pretty deep with you, right? Yeah, but first I've got to correct you. I don't know if I can say that I necessarily hate the Leafs, I think it's more on the fact that I just love the Canadians. Okay. You know, it's, it's, oh, that's awesome. it's not it's not oh. like I can sit there and say like I, I hate that team, I hate that hate everything. No, that's not that's not true. It's just when I was playing, when I was a part of the Canadians, like I loved every second, every minute of being part of that organization, that team, that to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs from Montreal just felt wrong. It just didn't feel right. But how do you how do you go from one team given everything you have, playing for that team, and then switch right away to the other team. Uh, I mean, I think when I look back at it, I think I thought of it more from a passionate perspective mm-hmm. and not a business perspective, which the game of hockey is. It's a business. 
things change. You, your mindset changes on things over time. You you live and learn. But I'm a I'm a Montreal guy, so that's where my allegiance lies. So yeah, I definitely like to watch that series and, and follow those guys. Dude, so I have multiple thoughts here, and I, I saw I actually went back and read the quotes of at the time, and it was actually even then you were like, oh, I really like Shanahan, I like the culture they have there, and it was actually done very very respectfully the way that you did decline. But these are my thoughts. One is I actually love that you did that. I it's, it's like so many people watch sports and they really really want to believe that okay, of course it's a business, but that there's something that extends beyond it, right? And that the players care about these franchises, these special franchises, the way that we do, right? Because we can be kind of preachy with the original six fans where we're like, we look at a Florida Panthers fan and we're like, yeah, you don't really know what it's like. To, yeah, it's yeah. cool. You, yeah, you, oh no, you like hockey. Yeah, you don't know what it means yeah. to your city. You don't really know what it means to a country. So the idea that a player would play for the Habs and then legitimately be like the embodiment of the hockey sweater where you're like, I'm not going to school in the Leaf sweater, like an actual story that has been told across like generations in this country is cool. So I definitely respect it. But I will say this now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like shots fired to the Sabres because like they were still in your division. You're like, I'll still go there. Like, that's fine. It's, who cares? Like they're just nothing. They're just the Sabres. <laughs> and two also shots fired to Thomas Placanich who played here. who's a Leafs legend. Yeah. I mean, there's other guys that have done it too, right? Like I'm pretty sure Mike, yeah. Mike Komisarek signed as a free agent with Toronto. Oh yeah. That was Montreal. bad. Uh, I was at that Halloween game where he came back to Montreal and there was like brawls outside. It was like a, that was, yeah. a, that was a scene, man. Yeah. I mean, it all just depends on which way you look at it and where you are in the point in time in your career. And like I said, you, you live and learn as you get older and, and experience these things and, but at the time, I mean, the only reason I was able to play in the NHL and the only reason I was able to have any sort of success is I had to dive in, like, head and heart first. I wasn't skilled enough to play this game with these other guys that are playing. I just I couldn't skate with them. I couldn't stick out. Like, I just didn't have the skill. So it had to be, like, a buy-in, like, do whatever you can. So when you divulge yourself into a team like that, the idea of trying to do it to your number one or number two rival that, that was hard to uh, try to wrap my head around. But how could I do this for a team that I've been playing against at Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night, the rivalry, the, the, the animosity? How do you go do that for the other team? And I just couldn't get myself to, to believe that I could do that at the time. No, and again, like I said, I really, really respect it, and I think that it's a really cool thing. And I will say, too, that Leafs fans, one of our – we don't have wins lately, but you know what we have? being able to rub in the faces of Sens fans that Jason Spezza is a Leafs legend now. You know, that he cares more about the Leafs than he ever did about the... Like, getting to say that to my Sens friends is joy. It's pure joy. So, whenever you do get a moment where it's like Placanich was good for the Leafs in the playoffs, you get to stick it to people. It does hurt that franchise more. So, yeah, you avoided it, and it is it is an interesting thing. You did say, though, that it is a business, and you look at things differently now. You are pretty removed from it, and you are kind of, like... You're starting media stuff, and I don't know. Your you're just agent about... was pretty angry when you told him, like, yeah, thanks, well, but no just... thanks. He's like, oh, no, oh, really? The the biggest uh, market in Canada and a chance to market yourself beyond hockey? You don't want to go there? And you're like, yeah, because I'm passionate. He's like, But it probably right. has endeared you more to Habs fans, too, where, like, the upside in that market is greater. I don't know. Where, where are you kind of at with it now? Are you happy you did that? Um, happy. <laughs> 
Well, if you could get in the time machine right now and you're like, hey, it's me from the future, I just want to let you know that actually you should go do this because you get to be a part of this Leafs team and it's going to be good for business and we're going to do all these other things. Or you're like, hey, man, double down. Actually stick it to them. Like, Don't say the I respect Shanahan thing. Say I just love the Habs so much I hate Shanahan. I hate the Leafs. I'll never play for them. You know, I think when when, when I'm thinking about it and I look back, you try to – you try to look at it and think about it, you know, everything that's into it. I don't know if, if any of my decisions would have been based on um, how is this going to help me post-hockey career with yeah. with work and business. And that was so far from my thought process at the time. I didn't care about that stuff. I mean, my, my had one objective at that point, and that was to win a Stanley Cup. Um You know, you're not thinking about the outside world and what happens when you retire and what happens when this um, I, I, I didn't have any kids at the time. My wife was actually, when I, when I got the call, my wife was, uh, supposed to give birth in five days. Mm. So I was like, you know, that was part of it too. All of a sudden you get told this, I'm packing up to get ready to, you know, get things ready to go to the hospital. And I get a call being like, yeah, they're, they're trading him. Well, whoa, okay. You know, but you know, fast forward years later, the way I would look at it now is this is a business. I understand that. Whatever the reasons for Montreal wanting to trade me at the time, that's up to them. I don't have any say or control in that. Mm-hmm. But to to honor the the franchise, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm sitting there afterwards thinking, well, why, why was I trying to be so faithful and so loyal to a team who was saying, get out of here. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> like, it's not even like, okay, we got a trade in place for Toronto. It's, you don't take this trade. We're still trading you. We're getting rid of you. We don't care. <laughs> And, and, and after that sunk in, I was like, well, you know, why did I do this for a franchise that said, get out of here. We don't want you anymore. And so that's when I really understood and started to learn about the business side, which is crazy. I was 30 years old and I'm just starting to understand that in the hockey world, it's a business like any other world, right? Like we, we, we are employees, but we're the product. I get it. But we go where we're told to go. We play where we have an option. We don't. We don't have those things. We have free agency. You can pick your team, but after that, that's it. You, you go where the GM tells you to go. The coaches play you whatever they want to play you. It's not up to us as players. So looking back, you know, maybe I would have thought about it differently. Maybe I would have taken some more time to think about this from a more logical perspective than from an emotional perspective. You know what, though, man, I will say this is. It actually brings me to the thing where it is, of course, like it's a business and it's always fine to play the it's a business card. But the thing that is eternal are the fan bases, right? So it's like GMs change, owners change, all these things change. But it's like these fan bases run so deep. And it's one of the things that I think is getting really screwed up with sports right now is that there does seem to be almost like you see it really in the NBA the most where guys are like – I'm the product and this is a business and it's a two-way street. And if this guy wanted to trade me, then who cares about that organization? It's like, yeah, but all these people that showed up at the Bell Center and were like trying to fight that Halloween night because they were so pissed about Commissaire leaving straight up and, and like created that energy. It's like those people are forever. Like they're not leaving no matter what. 
and they're always going to be there and they're always going to care. So making that decision is like, okay, cool. Like maybe the organization didn't want you at the time. Maybe that general manager, maybe all the way up to the ownership group. Right. But you know who is always going to look at Josh Georges as the guy who like didn't want to go to Toronto because he cared about Montreal? It's like the fans. And I guarantee that you can think like as I'm saying that of people that you've run into who like love that. You know, comments or feedback that you've gotten on social media or whatever that it ingratiated you to that place, to those fans that you cared about as well, right? So it was a business, but that's the part of it that I think we're kind of moving away from sometimes a little bit too much, which is that, hey, cool, like business, 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 business. Of course, it's a business, but it's built on the backs of people who genuinely care so deeply that in Europe, they'll break into soccer stadiums to protest ownership. You know, it's like that's the kind of passion that fuels all of this. No question. And and I've gone back to Montreal every year since I've retired. I do some stuff um, with your alumni association. And, and that's the number one thing when I when I bump into fans or whatever is, you know, thanks for not taking that trade to Toronto. Thanks for not, you know. And, and right. so, you know, that does afterwards, it feels good to hear those things that they remember and that they actually care about that stuff. And you're right. That's what drives sports. That's what drives everything. In order for us as athletes to get paid, you need the fans to, to come to the games. You need the fans to buy the jerseys and and buy the stuff on TV and watch everything, you know. Um, so they, they make the sports world go round. There's no question about it. But it is a, it is a fine line because, you know, you, like you mentioned with the basketball, with the NBA, I mean, yeah, they're jumping ship from team to team and, and stacking their teams because they get their opt-out clauses and they, they don't take because they can sign for the max. And I get it because you ask any person in the world and to ask them to give you an honest answer, if you have an opportunity to make more money, are you going to say no to that? You can do the same thing, but you're just going to make more money. Who's going to say no? Not too many people are going to say no. Right. Knowing the fact that as soon as you're not valuable anymore, as soon as you can't do what they want you to do, speaking to the owners, the managers, whoever's running the team, they don't care about you on a personal level. Because mm-hmm. to them, it's just a business. Because if, if you hurt them, they lose their job. Right. So they're not going to stick their neck out as uh, to protect players to say, you know, you've done this for us for 10 years, so even though you can't really perform anymore, we're still going to give you another contract. It's not going to work. So that, to, to try to get the mass players to have that same sort of mentality, you know what, I'll just take, I'll take less and I want to stay with this franchise or whatever because I want to just stay here. It's very few and far between. It's hard to sell that. But I do get it because, I mean, how much is too much? How much do you really need? You know, is there a difference between making ten million or eleven million? I mean, yeah, it's a million dollars, but after you talk about taxes, escrow, agent fees, you, you're not really you're splitting hairs. Mm-hmm. So there, you could have this debate and argument on a bunch of different angles, and uh, it's an interesting topic, actually. I really do find it interesting. I talk a lot about it with a lot of guys. For sure, man. And and again, the part that I you have to be able to relate to if you're just a fan too is that. You guys are a prideful bunch. That's why, you know, you make it to where you make it is that you're ultra competitive and you believe in yourselves in a different way. Like it's a completely different beast. And so when an organization does tell you, hey, like we don't really want you or we don't believe in you the same way, there's a how many athletes are motivated by, oh, you don't believe in me? Oh, you don't like as soon as you're out on me, then I'm all in on me. I have to be able to believe in myself and put that energy somewhere else. So, yeah, it doesn't get personal. I just believe that. Yeah, it is refreshing, and your thing was refreshing. I got to ask you about the matchup before we let you go. We're running out of time here. Yeah. Just okay. What do you what do you 
think is the biggest reason for optimism for Habs fans because I've been really giving it to my buddies saying like this is going to be a five game series and like that win was nice yesterday and Caulfield has been a bit of an overtime revelation I guess but there's no three on three so you can't do the hold the puck thing forever but yeah it just it really does feel like these teams have a, a pretty significant separation am I being delusional or like how do you see this matchup in the playoffs playing out? Well, I think if you were to look at it from a skill perspective, I think everybody would agree. Toronto's probably got more raw talent, especially when you talk about their big players. I mean, <laughs> what what Matthews and Marner are doing, and you got Tavares and uh, Newlander, another in their second line, uh, Riley, their decor. I mean, they got guys that can with fucking Joe Thornton and Jason Spets. I mean, my God, having those two guys playing on your fourth line, are you kidding me? Just to have that experience. I, I mean, I played with Joe. He's one of my favorite teammates of all time and that guy would do anything for his team and I want to see sad to say I want to see that guy win a Stanley Cup almost more than anybody else um, but on the flip side you know for Montreal they need to be healthy first you know Kerry needs to be back uh, Shea needs to be back they're, they're missing Brennan you can see that even though they've been sneaking out some wins here as of late I mean he's the kind of heartbeat of that team that that drives them so when I look at that matchup I keep thinking you know, really the only way for Montreal to beat Toronto would be a whole collective 20 guys that have literally bought in and said, we have to, we just have to make life miserable. We, we got, we got to hit them. We got to frustrate them. We got to drive them crazy. We got to play fast, hard nose, no stupid penalties and, and just frustrate the hell out of them. And hopefully you can get them to break. I don't know if that's going to happen because Toronto's going to want to play more of a possession skill game. Um, get goals on the power play. That's they're dangerous. I mean, they they get scored anytime. Look what Austin Matthews is doing, especially as of late. The goals he's putting up, it's ridiculous. So it'll be an interesting matchup because Montreal will have to make that decision. They, they can't play a run and gun style, try to go goal for goal with Toronto because if that's the case, it might be over in four or five. But if they can turn it into a little bit more of an ugly slugfest, slow it down, lots of whistles, scrum it out, frustrate them, you know, it gives. Montreal a chance. And then the other side, Carey Price, I mean, when he's at the top of his game, he can help any team win any series. Mm-hmm. So he needs to be at his best. There's no question. I think everybody knows that he knows that. So hopefully he's back healthy and, and ready to go for the start of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, we all want to see that. Uh, and yeah, I don't want to see screwy officiating, which ends up uh, tilting the series, which I don't know. We've seen a couple of times this season during the regular season, at least. Uh, Josh, Appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, man. Got to do this again sometime. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me on. Take care, dude. Josh Georges, former NHL defenseman. He he ain't no Johnny Damon, okay? You're not throwing dollar bills at Josh Georges because he leaves his his loyalty behind. See, that's the the guy you don't want to be, right? Like where your entire legacy is tainted the opposite direction. Johnny Damon seems like the type of guy who doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. uh, as exemplified by his recent arrest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh But anyway, uh, I want to close on Tom Wilson because I I do think it's the story of the day. And just the more and more I think about it, the more and more just is the thing where you look at it and say it's a – the frustrating element for me is that no matter what you say is you put yourself in a camp. And it's a either you're with us or you're against us situation where you and I, I think, have a pretty similar take on this, right? It seems as though we're not very far apart, unless I've completely misread this, which is that 
He should have been suspended. Mm-hmm. The NHL seemingly dropped the ball here, especially when it comes to taking his track record into account and, frankly, satisfying NHL fans because this is a lot like this. You do have an obligation to the fans to make them happy and feel as though your league has run well. But also that anything that was insinuating that Wilson's suspension should be for the season or that there isn't a little bit of gray area here in a sport that is physical and runs hot and has characters who get in scrums and get in fights and trying to litigate what is a fair takedown versus what isn't, it it is harder and harder to do. And so that's just kind of what I'm left with here is that to me this is a tough call and for many people it is not but even mentioning that makes me feel like you know you're picking almost a like uh, a side of culture yeah it's uh, that part's gross this isn't the worst thing Tom Wilson's done. He's done some pretty bad no. stuff, like the hit on Sunday <laughs> like in the that. preseason. That's a tough argument for Tom Wilson. Though. It's like, hey, this guy does worse things all well, the but time. That's so the thing, <laughs> yeah, but that's but yeah, that is part of it. It's like, okay, yeah. so you want him banned for life and put on a raft? Sorry, off to Moon Jail, mm-hmm. so in a uh, in a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. So did you think that after the Sunquist one, which was way worse, and in a preseason game, and a lengthy suspension followed, and eventually reduced after that? That was horrific. It was awful what Tom Wilson did yesterday to Panarin, mostly. And it sucks that Panarin is going to miss these final games of the regular season. You wonder if the fact that the Rangers are not going to the postseason plays into the fact that they're just going to be super careful with him. And apparently it's not serious. The The Rangers are mm-hmm. a little bit bullish on how he is going to recover from that. But that's it. That's the way we have discussions. It's if you're one way, then you're in the group. And you guys get to keep doing the same thing with your dunks. And if you're on the other team, then you're the bad guy. And there's no in-between. There's either you're for us or you're against us. You're friend or foe. And I I would suggest that there's probably a little room for gray here. Because, yeah, Tom Wilson, repeat offender, not a great look, should have been suspended. Everybody's okay. But yeah, does he need to be removed from hockey for life? Clearly not. Does he need to be no, arrested? No, but you can also again... see why it would come. Like, you would see why the NHL would come to this decision, where it's like they're fining him for the action beforehand, and that the wrestling part with Panarin, they his past his track record has to only come into effect if they think that they would have suspended somebody else for that, right? So do you think that if it's Matthews and Panarin that wrestled that, we would be talking? Like, it's just, it's no. tough. No, I, I do think he should have been suspended for that. But yes, um, not for 50 games. All right, probably more on that tomorrow. Bye-bye.